Hello, dear listeners. Just wanted to say that if you are a patron, do make sure you're listening to this episode of The After Show via the Patreon app or the Patreon RSS feed, which you can now also connect to your Spotify, apparently, because the full episode is not available on the main feed. The After Show is a Patreon-exclusive project where I get to chat with all sorts of very interesting people from around the world who are also patrons of the show. This was a particularly fascinating conversation, I thought, since things, at least from an outsider's perspective, seem to be quite absurd in Germany currently, especially surrounding the topic of Palestine and Israel. There are several aspects at play with the history and identity and nationalism, and uh, this is just part one of the conversation, so there's more to come. If you're interested in this topic, do consider becoming a patron of the show. You'll not only help support it, but you'll have access to a bunch of Patreon-exclusive content, too. And, uh, oh, before I forget, I certainly wasn't planning to address this topic on this particular episode, since it's completely unrelated, but since it came up, I thought I might as well just say very, very briefly that the whole Mergegate situation with atheist brocaster Thomas Smith, who insisted on defending the honor of new atheism, uh, as late as a couple of years ago, um... Yeah, it was just a bizarre and unpleasant situation and very, very, very telling in retrospect. Some of you may remember the episodes from around that time. I will link a thread in the show notes too, which you can check out if you want to dive deeper into that whole mess. Um, The Me Too allegations mentioned in passing in this conversation were against Thomas's former co-host, Andrew Torres, and were made public February of last year. I will also link to an article that discusses it. But I'd like to stress that while the allegations were against Andrew, those who continue to legitimize, downplay, and worst of all, profit massively off of working with someone who there were multiple allegations against are definitely not without blame because they were told years and years ago but chose to do and say nothing until it was all being made public anyway. Yeah, that that whole scene is incredibly gross and slimy and not the feminists or allies they make themselves out to be. I just wanted to add that to the very brief (laughs) split-second mention of the allegation so that people had some more context in case they weren't aware. But yeah, it's been pretty disappointing and horrific to see how many in the atheist scene legitimize and protect Me Too creeps right up until the point it's being made public and uh, how many in their so-called liberal audiences are willing to look past it because it's uh, the in-group. No better than the religious groups that atheists often like to complain about for protecting predators in their midst. See also Lawrence Krauss and uh, David Silverman. Anywho, this is all completely off topic. Let's get into this Germany-related episode now. Hello, hello. Welcome to the After Show. A brand spanking new series, Patreon exclusive, brought to you by Polite Conversations. By Polite Conversations. This is where I'm hoping to get to know you a little better, dear patrons. 
This will be the place to come hang out for a casual chat. Let's talk about all things, woking up and polite conversations and Twitter spaces and whatever else you'd like to discuss. More content, more conversations, more fun, and even more rationality. All right, welcome everyone. Welcome to the after show. Today I have a panel of uh, Germans and German related experts to talk about well, what the fuck is happening in Germany nowadays. <laughs> welcome, Klaus. How are you doing? I'm doing quite well. We're having a big anti AfD protest here in my city uh, today that is taking place all over the country. But I think I'm probably using my time better being on this uh, panel. <laughs> well, I'm honored that you are joining us, but I'm sorry that you had to miss that protest. It's really loud wet out there. So, are you here um, representing the average white? German guy, or uh, I'm. I, I I don't know. I'm here representing uh, some Germans, I guess. Um, but uh, my uh, affinity to Germans has always been a little bit strained uh, uh, <laughs> for a long time. So uh, it's it's there's not much of a change here. I think Germans individually are absolutely lovely. I think it's a great place to visit uh, if you're white. <laughs> and um, uh, living here for a little while is also fun. But if you live here long enough, you realize there's a lot of dry rot in the system all over. It looks very shiny. It it, it it still functions very well. But the social, political, and economic dry rot is definitely noticeable, at least in my opinion. Mm. And uh, welcome, Ilyas. You are our German Muslim on the panel. How's it going? Well... It kind of it kind of goes as usual. Um, I'm I'm not near any any major protest because I'm living in the countryside, <laughs> at least at 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 the moment. Um, a bit like general frustrating atmosphere, like uh, being half German, half in my case Moroccan Arab. Is uh, you are you're on a crossroads. <laughs> Oh yeah. Permanently. Yeah, yeah. I can only imagine especially in the current climate what that must be feeling like. Well, um it's it's more frustrating when it comes from presumably center liberal, center mm. left people and even far left people in Germany. Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't really expect much from fascists. <laughs> so, right. Right. so I'm 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 kind of fine if they hate me, but it's like it's the animosity which kinda uh, which is more subtle and more hypocritical from the other side, which is far more frustrating. Mm-hmm. Exactly. No, I know totally how that feels generally, even in just the IDW discourse, it, it's much more frustrating when it's like mm, center-left people that are like doing apologetics, so I get you on that. But um, you're also an academic, right? Like, you, what are you studying? Can you remind me? I did study oh. contemporary um, religious studies. Um, so, um, Sorry, I'm did actually- you... Did you say contemporary religious studies? No, uh, sorry, uh, comparative. Oh, comparative religious studies. Okay. Com- like I think that that's how it's called in in, in the U.S. at least, um, because I think in the U.S. people, from what I know, they they don't differentiate between like 
theology and religious studies, which we do. So it's like it's like the secular study of religion, um, to say it like in in easy terms. And um, I have my MA degree in that, one year abroad. Uh, currently doing like a little journalistic apprenticeship and i'm thinking about maybe soon starting with phd maybe oh wow but like with with studying i'm um i'm done so far (laughs) and uh you are a patron of a blasphemer like me i am honored um I'm actually the most the most classic blasphemer. Historically, the heretic was was the one who has never denounced the uh, uh, the faith, but is spreading like false teachings. <laughs> so, well, I'm, I'm I'm like uh, I'm like more in the OG blasphemer section. <laughs> Cheers. Well, welcome then. Um, you know, I'm I'm so fortunate to get to talk to so many interesting people, and I have so many very cool patrons, and uh, this panel is going to be very fun. And last but not least, we have John. How are you doing, John? Doing pretty well. Thanks, Anna. How are you on this panel about Germany? Well, I, I guess I'm here in a sense to provide kind of a historical perspective in a certain sense. I have a master's degree in uh, German studies from Rice University uh, from 1997. And uh, for my undergraduate, I lived in Germany for a year as an exchange student at the Universität Tübingen. And, uh, and my, I speak German with Near native fluency, although I'm probably a little rusty, but I try to keep. Uh, I've been trying to keep up on uh, events going on in Germany. More recently, I've been watching some live streams uh, from Erste Deutsche Fernsehen and things like that on my Roku uh, against the IFD, which are heartening to see. Um, but um, my day job, I'm a public librarian in Southeast Texas, and. Uh, specialize in interlibrary loan so i have a master's of library science as well but uh and i tried teaching high school german for a year but hated that so got out (laughs) oh yeah wow i still very much care about uh, the goings-on in germany and and whatnot so just here to if nothing else ask intelligent questions so thank you (laughs) (laughs) and and do you have any like german background like what drew you to to germany um a couple of things. Um, I mean, my uh, grandmother has some German heritage. She could count in, to ten in German, and, and her grandmother spoke German. Uh, we have what we in America call Pennsylvania Dutch background, but that's actually ger- it's actually German. But due to there's Germ- those are Germans that predate Germany, basically. Yeah, and also uh, because of the anti-German sentiment around World War One, um, it was kind of a way that our family could get away with saying, "Oh no, no, we're not like with the Kaiser. We're we're Pennsylvania Dutch," and the uh-huh. Amer- Americans around them would think, "Oh, like like from Holland. Okay, you're cool then." Whereas <laughs> the actual the other Germans in the area are like, "Hey," <laughs> and um, so a lot of their sons went off to war to prove their patriotism and whatnot. Whereas mine stayed behind and farmed. So. And so is that is that what the Amish uh, some some Amish communities speak as well? Yeah, yeah. They they still speak German, kind of a older form of German, but yeah. Right. 
Oh, how interesting. Yeah, they're basically the same. Amish, Pennsylvania, Dutch, uh, Mennonites. Yeah. They're all same group from different... Uh, they, they, some come from different regions. They literally come from the northwest corner of Germany, close to where I live. And uh, some of them have kind of weird northern German uh, dialects, and uh, but mostly have old pre-tonal shift um, German dialects, which makes it sound really interesting. Yeah. But... Um I guess my main reason was I was I'm I'm autistic and kind of a weirdo and uh, in high school I wanted to be different so I took German because everyone else was taking Spanish so <laughs> and uh, being in Germany was uh, I, I enjoyed living there and as an autistic person I in some ways felt more at home in Germany than I do in the U.S. Sometimes huh. uh, I, I appreciated German Ordentlichkeit and you know just everything made sense and what what was I, I that know. what was that word. German uh, orderliness and oh, need for order and uh, I don't know. It just appealed to me um, as an autistic person. Strangely enough, that's very <laughs> so. interesting. I have never heard that before, but that is very very interesting. I, I it's funny. I, I have a um, guest family that I when my first time I stayed in Germany, uh, I was in Ziegen, and. Um, my host family was mixed. Uh, the husband was German. The wife was British. And they, when he retired, they moved to England. And I visited them when I came back to Germany for the year abroad and visited them over Christmas. It was funny because in England, I felt like I had, even though it was a common language, I felt like I had two left feet and was just, everything was so awkward and strange to me. And I, I can't, adequately described the palpable relief I felt crossing, leaving Britain and coming and crossing back over into the German border and being among the Germans again, I just felt a sense of relief and like any kind of social faux pas I might make as an autistic person, I could pass off as just being a uh, dofa ami, like it was a language problem, you know, comprehension problem. It was a nice dodge. I see. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so do you think you would feel that way? Like in, another country where maybe English wasn't the first language? Like, do you think you'd feel that level of comfort elsewhere, or is it specifically German? Uh, I've heard that Japan is also um, kind of like, uh, in the autistic community, kind of regarded as an autistic nation in a way, like the national characteristics kind of <laughs> mirror uh, autistic traits in a way. And so, and it, of course, I'm a big and Japanese anime fan, so that, <laughs> that <Huh>. tracks. <laughs> Very interesting. And so what made you support Polite Conversations? Well, um, long-time fan, first-time caller, and uh, just <laughs> I, I've been a non-believer uh, since elementary school, basically. My dad was a science teacher, and so religion never really had a chance with me. Mm. I did, although uh, I, I do say that with a caveat that uh, during graduate school, I did have a very brief, intense religious phase and then quickly grew out of it and <laughs> worked my way back to humanism. So, but um, yeah, I've, I've been a non-believer and uh, for a long time and uh, very much believe in secularism and, uh, you know, secular society. And how do you feel about like the um, different ways that I cover the atheist scene? I assume you're not too offended by my criticism? No, not at all. I, I, I think you're um, probably one of the best, most progressive um, atheist podcasters out there. And uh, so I support you uh, and uh, 
I, I still listen to uh, Thomas Smith, but it's just kind of funny because oh, dear. Was, it, it, but it feels like, I mean, he's okay, but it feels like he's like a year out of date with you. Like he's just now realizing that Sam Harris is trash. So, <laughs> oh, uh, well, do you, do you remember this massive uh, controversy that went on like two years ago? Was it two or was it three? I think it was 2021. Yeah, yeah. I, re- I remember. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I was on your side in that one too. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Uh, the merge gate thing was really eye opening, and then there's also the uh, Me Too scandals and such. So, yeah, very icky. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, well, thank you for supporting, and um, I think it's so funny that you said that he's like two years out of date, or because uh, that tracks, that tracks. Um, and uh, what about you, Klaus? What makes you support the show? You, you're we're part of my, I guess, my latest transition in how I think about certain stuff. You and a bunch of other people just pushed me uh, across certain hurdles, I guess, mm. and uh, just appreciated that. And you had a patron, and I thought that's a fun account to support and i generally like when you piss off people like sam harris and these kinds of people <laughs> and i like to take count of that uh very much very much cool. and like you assure your dad at the beginning of every polite conversation you never say anything controversial and you're never <laughs> impolite so that's what i like about you <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's definitely very true never never controversial mm-hmm. just uh yeah <laughs> well, thank you very much. And Ilias, you are not a non-believer, from what I recall, right? Well, according to myself, but if you ask like your everyday Salafi, I'm totally a non-believer. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I mean, I was reading about how ISIS was calling like Hamas infidels too. So yeah, of course, yeah. Like uh, Hamas is basically uh, Hamas is basically the new atheist convention compared to, <laughs> <laughs> <compared> to Daesh. <laughs> oh, but you've been a longtime patron of the show as well. What makes you support the show? Well, um, I discovered you through Twitter, and I will continue calling it Twitter. And um, same. Uh, Basically, it was like, um, it, it kind of happened during my still ongoing and potentially eternal journey uh, dealing with my religious tradition, um, where I was always leaning more towards progressive and liberal interpretations of the theology because my parents raised me in a really secular way. Mm-hmm. And my parents are both believers. My my father actually converted out of out of belief, not because of my mother, but they still raised me without uh, religion, quote-unquote. Like, they didn't raise me atheist, but they raised me... Uh, and I was never taken to a mosque. I was never actually expected to perform any rituals. I didn't... I wasn't even really aware of Islam for a really long time in my early childhood. The first religion I was formally introduced to was Christianity, because I come from a really, really Catholic <laughs> environment here in Germany. And um, so, yeah, I kind of grew up in... Developed more and more towards um, liberal and progressive spaces among Muslims, but I, at a certain point, I started to get alienated by certain views, and um, which were not related necessarily to theology, interestingly, but like to 
uh, more political questions. And it was also a time where, like, on, like, for example, like Facebook groups of Muslim for Progressive Values and so on, like, mostly English-speaking, you also had, like, first direct interactions with ex-Muslims and so on. And Is when that I discover- not where Asra Namani was from originally? Yes, oh, exactly. Gosh. Right. Yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, and and basically, when when I when I discovered you on um, on Twitter, I was seeing, ironically enough, more similarities in in your particular struggle with with that environment to to, to my personal case, where that you you do not necessarily you still agree with with the core idea. And with the core criticism, same as in my case, but there is just so much dissonance <laughs> with within a particular movement, which, um, yeah, in, in in my case in particular, which I say like uh, progressiveness and progressive outlooks, I'm completely behind this. But when it kind of turns towards like adapting ideas of uh, Western supremacy, which liberal Muslim spaces are absolutely not immune to. Yeah. Specifically in Germany, I would say. Um, then it then it gets really, really frustrating. And also, yeah, you know, politically speaking, while I still am pro-feminism, pro-LGBTIQ rights and so on, I would never ever call myself a liberal again because the listeners cannot see my, my profile pic, but I, <laughs> like I'm I'm super hardcore leftist. I'm <laughs> Right. I would consider myself a Marxist, unorthodox, of course, um, but uh, wouldn't be the first thing in my life which is quite unorthodox. So, um, so yeah, politically hard left leaning, which uh, alienated you, alienated me from from these liberal talking points, which are so dominant in many liberal Muslim spaces. Hmm. That's very interesting. And so, I guess you were like later in life searching for your muslim identity i not really it's 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 a journey like I, I i was introduced to it around elementary school where i became aware that my family is something else <laughs> at least uh, at least half of it and um yeah i grew up in the environment of post 9-11 so it's it's also like um if it's not just me getting aware of my heritage is my environment getting aware of it and reacting to it uh, and you you know you get asked weird questions in school not just by students but by teachers like um t- talking about one of the topics of today like i'm i'm not uh, as i mentioned before my my mother is from morocco so and quote-unquote Arab Moroccan family but still a Moroccan family and I'm not Palestinian but already like in school I was expected to kind of know about it about the whole issue of Palestine and Israel and so on and also to have a stance on it oh Um, yeah so this was really confusing for my early age oh, yeah, to kind of get bombarded with all of these things. And something which is still confusing to me, I'm, I think as it's called white passing right. in, in, in many different ways. I don't, I don't look necessarily Middle Eastern. I have, I have a German name. I got the name for my father. Um, but the moment people find out it's always still this until this day it's it's weird it's weird because you know people start to 
examine your face to, to see if they can <laughs> if they can recognize it, and then they start to test you on, on it. And and this kind of like for my early age forced me to. Um, I, I feel pressured by my environment to learn about this, to uh, to educate myself on the topic because I just wanted to answer questions, not because necessarily to go on a spiritual journey. It, it kind of developed also into that direction. But until this day, I say, even though I still consider myself culturally and spiritually and in a philosophical way a Muslim, um, I, I choose to study religious studies, not Islamic theology, for a particular reason, because it's still more like the subject of my studies in that sense. I wanted to study it in a, in a secular way, and it's still kind of stuck with me and, until this day. So, yeah, it's like a weird chimera complex thing. Just through like a quick Google search that I was doing, like you can see there are so many articles about like how uh, pro-Palestinian opinions were like very unwelcome in German schools. Kafias are totally not acceptable. And this is pre-October 7th even. And I read about this one girl who was just like, you know, told to give her background or something like that, like she's standing in front of the class saying, oh, I'm Palestinian, and her teacher got mad at her and uh, said, like, you can't say that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, obviously it was upsetting for her. Like, she, like, what is she supposed to say? Apparently she's supposed to say she's Israeli or something? I don't know, but... Some will say Israelis, and some will say you should call yourself Jordanian. <laughs> Yeah. Kind of depends on who you ask. <laughs> so this is not new at all. Like it's No, no, no. No, 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 no. This is this is old old stories. Just it's just really um like this morning I had a kind of a frustrated episode because you're starting to get numb. And even if you if you are on as a person who lives here in Germany, even if you are completely on the side that oh this is fucked up, this is this is completely wrong, you get used to it. It's it's just nothing new to you. And what happened since October seventh is that the rest of the world is kind of starting to catch up and rec- and, mm. and 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 examines the situation in Germany um, more precisely. Like specifically, I would say it, it kind of started. It, it got some attention the years prior. Uh, recently, it first started to get attention with the case of Masha Gessen. Yeah. And then after that, even more so when Germany said it would intervene in the ICJ as a third party. And then, like the world started to kind of ask themselves, "Wait, what's what's going on there <laughs> exactly?" And like. We know we are we are kind of used to these kind of stories, um, but yeah, like we should never get used to them. It's uh, it, it it will it, it's it will, shocking it, being it's, on it's, the outside. It's just, it's just not normal. It's uh, it's really really fucked up. Um, but it's it's completely institutionalized here, and um, on a political level, on a media level, and. Um, yeah, and across the political spectrum, it seems. Yes, there is still more opposition in the in the hard left to it, but not it's 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 not like a a position which should be taken for granted even in the hard left. Yeah. Also, if I may interject, one problem you have is that the people in Germany who are critical of Israel and who are not like certified right wing assholes. 
um, many on the left who dare to go against the consensus also unfortunately happen to be full-blown tankies, I guess, if you're oh, a tankie, gosh, yeah. you've got nothing to lose, right? So you have these very extreme positions, and I think you notice that when you go on Twitter, and I'm very careful about who I amplify with my tiny account, who I retweet, because Palestinians have just the most horrible allies. There are some terrible people that are kind of cashing in on this and oh, yeah. using it to rebrand oh, yeah. their accounts. But, um, Klaus, what's it like in your experience generally as a non-part Arab? Like, how was it in, in school? Like, is that attention that you noticed or...? That's a long way back. I was, uh, I had very different beliefs when I was in school. I mean, I was hardcore right wing, oh. raised that way. Oh, yeah. So I would have had no time for, uh, I, I think until I was about 17, 18, 19, I would have had little time for Elias because he wasn't German and lived in Germany. And uh, that would. But he is German. Well, not by my standards back then. Of course, uh, you have to understand. Even by German law, if you until recently, if your parents weren't certified Germans, i.e. the ancestors born uh, on a certain territory before a certain date, or you weren't a great soccer player, becoming a German citizen was really, really difficult. But uh, I assume so. that Elias was a German citizen, like, from birth, right? Sure. Except he has Arab ancestors, so to the normal, quote-unquote, standard-issue, uh, run-of-the-mill, box-standard German, it doesn't matter what his one parent is, he is at best half-German, and that is the attitude Elias probably gets a lot from Germans who don't take him as a full-blown German, because we still have an ethnic identity assumption behind German. Right, Elias? That's absolutely true. It's um, as I said. I'm. I don't have the everyday experience of like a a German citizen, which parents have been like migrants from some place because it's it's not in my name. I have only a German. I have only a German passport, and I and I inherited the name from my father. So it it makes things easier. But yet, <laughs> as, as 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 I said earlier, if people fa find out, I became the Moroccan. Not like the yeah. Moroccan German, not the German Moroccan, not not anything in between. I'm 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 the Moroccan. I'm the Arab. There's even like um, you know something which you will hear on on not just not just on AFD protests or something. You will hear this in your countryside pub pretty much every day when when I talk about uh, people with foreign heritage born here getting German citizenship, you will hear people like casually say, well, a mouse born in a, in a horse stable is also not a horse. Yikes. Yep. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember um, when I put my uh, episode on uh, the far right in Germany out, I think John had some very interesting comments on that. And uh, he was talking about how I think immigrants are not like viewed as German, I, I remember very distinctly um, the we were in a preparatory class for the PNDS, uh, the test of German proficiency before you could be admitted to study, and one of our tutors being very adamant about 
Deutschland ist kein Einwanderungsland. You know, Germany is not a country of immigration. And she's very, very insistent on that. And we were like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, and that's not, that's not taboo to say at all. Pardon? Like, um, Germany. I mean, if you say Germany is not an immigration country, you're not some hardcore right winger. You're a standard German semi-conservative person who may even vote SPD. Mm -hmm. That's it's, it's, It's still acceptable. Yeah, it's, it's it's not that it that it get without opposition. Like uh, of course, like the let's say the quote unquote progressive left, like the center left, many many will still criticize you openly for that, or at least say that there's an implication of racism here. But it's not that it's a it's not a career killer or anything like that. Uh, far from oh. it. Like as uh, as Klaus said, this is this is normal for like. Um, conservatives here in the country to, to say something like that. Access this brand new Patreon exclusive series by becoming a patron today.